You're listening to the Art Problems Podcast, episode 42. I'm your host, Patty Johnson. This is the podcast where we talk about how to get more shows, grants, and residencies. And since this is the time of year where we spend a lot of time reflecting and planning for the new year, I invited Kristen Jordan to the show. She's an artist, a meditation and yoga instructor, and she manages the support desk at Network, which is the membership that I founded. And Kristen will be leading a meditation this January inside Network that is designed to help us quell and manage the anxieties that tend to rear their ugly head, especially in the time of the new year. So I'm really excited about what that's going to look like. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so happy that you are here. And part of the reason for that is that you do such an extraordinary job on the support desk. And I feel like more people should actually hear your voice because they mostly <laughs> inside the membership are seeing your your text, but you're actually very eloquent and you have so much to offer. So that's one of the really exciting things about having you on the podcast here today. Now, I wondered if we could start off by having you briefly describe your art practice and how meditation supports that practice and your life. Um, sure. So just as a quick summary, I'm an interdisciplinary artist. My art practice is contemplative and focused on the environment. My work explores consciousness and how that is at the heart of how humanity relates to the environment. More specifically, I create installations that exemplify some aspect of human consciousness for the viewer to take a closer look. And I use a lot of different materials in this work, um, but mindfulness is an important part of the way that I put the work together. Some of the different materials are green waste and mortar, and I use light as a material as well. Um, so yeah, that's just a little brief summary of it. So those are some of the main elements in your work, yes? Yes, yes. Great. So I want to just dive into the subject of meditation because we we will be doing some of that. And uh, to frame what we will be doing here for everybody uh, who's listening to the podcast, we're going to talk about how meditation can uh, support an art practice, the types of anxieties that we all experience as it pertains to our practice, but also even just the practice of meditation. And then Kristen is going to guide us through a meditation at the end of the podcast. And I want you to stay on and listen to that because having done this, it's really an extraordinary experience that actually does lead to relaxation. So don't miss that part of the podcast. So now to start off, I'm just going to, I guess, start with a, a dump of anxieties and what you might consider um, misconceptions about meditation. So now when I think of meditation, I often think of it as a practice that encourages gratitude as a means of experiencing more joy. You know, I'm not always in a place where I'm ready to express gratitude so I guess my fear here is that by using meditation, I might paper over my real, real feelings with my desired feelings. 
and then not deal with my shit. And so what I wanted to start off with was just the question of how I can, you know, we all can use mindfulness, a mindfulness practice to be honest with ourselves. Yeah, I completely agree with what you said. I think that um, honesty with ourselves and with other people, it clears the path for so much goodness in our life. That may sound really cheesy, but it's been true for me. The thing you said about gratitude and not feeling gratitude and how we can maybe use meditation as a way to I've heard it called a spiritual bypass <laughs> to essentially just bypass our shit and like not address it. Um, and I think that's actually not at all really what mindfulness is. It's, it's actually the opposite. It's meant to be a way to experience exactly what's happening and to be as honest as possible in that process. Oh, I think a lot of times when people think of meditators, they imagine somebody just like sitting completely still, not a thought in their mind. There's no, you know, upheaval happening. Um, and that's, that is that's exactly what I imagined. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and that's that's what's really what what is really beautiful about mindfulness is it's not about forcing anything. It's about fully embracing what is happening here and now and dropping these mental labels that we create of this is good and this is bad, and then the shoulds and shouldn'ts of life. So, like as an example, uh, something that a lot of artists can relate to specifically, like we've all applied to something we really care about. Like we've written a proposal, put a ton of work in, all of our hopes are pinned on this thing, and we we get an email, and like we know that very likely it's either an acceptance or it's a rejection, and we can't tell based on you know say that we can't tell before we open it which it is. And immediately our mind is trying to like problem solve this for us. Like you have the excitement about the opportunity happening. And then you also have this, this fear that comes up about like, well, what if I don't get it? And on top of that, we have these really fun subsequent judgments we make like, oh, I shouldn't be too excited about this because then I, you know, if I, if I don't get too excited, <laughs> I won't be so disappointed. And then we have the one that's like, actually... I saw on Instagram that you're supposed to like think optimistically and it'll manifest good things in your life. So I'm going to like think as positively as I can about this. And so it's like not even just the initial it's, thought, you know, it sounds like what you're describing right here is just racing thoughts, right? Like every version of doubt and just running through each version of that. Yeah, yeah. And this is what we all do. And what begins to happen is like for each thought that we have, we have like this corresponding emotion that gets activated and our body feels all of that. So before you've even opened the email, in reality, nothing has happened. <laughs> your body is having a fight or flight response, very likely. Your your stress hormones, the cortisol, the adrenaline are rushing through your body. You're having a you know, nervous system response, sympathetic nervous system <laughs> response. And the truth of the matter is, like, absolutely nothing is going on. You know, this is all a mental game. You know, mindfulness teaches us to just notice. Like, notice that this is happening. What's happening right now? What, what, what thoughts are kind of creating this chaos in my mind? And dropping in and being like, okay, I'm going to stop for a moment. I'm not going to stop my thoughts. I'm just going to notice. Okay, fear, anxiety, right? And... You just feel deeply into that. And you're like, oh, I'm afraid. I'm really fucking afraid that I'm not going to get this thing. 
most of us have value attachments to things we want to happen. It's not just the thing. It, it represents something larger to us. Um, and so it's just acknowledging that and dropping into it. And, you know, if you can just say like, okay, I'm feeling fear and you let yourself feel afraid. And this is probably the most important key. Don't tell yourself a story about your fear. Don't judge it. Don't say like, I shouldn't be afraid because just feel it as fully as you possibly can. And it really helps to do this through our bodies because our bodies don't live in the future and they don't live in the past. They're only here. They process in real time. So, you know, you come into your body, feel the emotion as, as fully as you can. And something truly remarkable begins to happen when we do that, when we sort of surrender to what's coming up for us. It begins to dissipate naturally. The emotion is actually, it's charged. Its momentum is charged by our, our fearful thoughts. And so when we just drop into it and accept it, it actually loses its power. That's something I think we can all relate to, right? The sort of chaos. Um, can I ask a, a question about this? Because what does, um, I had a number of thoughts as you were talking about this. And the first was, I think, doubt, right? Like, first of all, what happens if I say, okay, I'm feeling afraid. And then like three days later, I realize, oh, it wasn't, I wasn't feeling afraid. That was the wrong emotion, right? So immediately, I think what I dropped into was, you know, doubt, doubt that I would necessarily recognize the emotions that I was feeling, because sometimes the emotions that we feel are fairly complicated, right? Like, there's fear, but there there's anxiety. All of these emotions are attached to uh, specific thoughts that you're having, and those thoughts shift as well. So that was the, the first version of that. And I think the second version of my question was like, okay, well, let's say I say, okay, I am afraid. I'm just going to recognize that. And I don't know if accept that is the right word for for what you were talking about. But what? how do I know, how do I recognize that there has been some, um, I know this sounds really, really straightforward, but how do I recognize that there's been dispersal of, of that anxiety? Like, because if it's very high to begin with, I mean, I'm just talking this through right now, but I think when it's yeah, very high yeah. and it drops, like, let's say you're at an eight anxiety and you go to a seven or mm -hmm. a six, like that's a big drop. Mm -hmm. When you yeah. get down to the smaller amounts, the difference between a one and a two feels a lot less than mm -hmm. when you're in an acute state and something is reduced for you. So I guess my point here is because that is the case that we're not always going to be in an acute state of anxiety or fear or anything like that, how how do we recognize a shift? Yeah, I think these are both excellent questions. The first one, you know, talking about labeling an emotion and labeling it incorrectly, there's no real reason to label anything at all. Partly, you know, it's our, <laughs> like our, our like... Our, our natural inclination is to try and define things, right? Like, especially yeah. if we're really mental people, you know, if we, if we use our mind to sort of tackle most problems, our initial response can be like, oh God, okay, I'm feeling panic. No, it's not really quite panic. It's fear. No, it's not. I don't know. It's just discomfort. Oh my God, I fucking hate this. Like, <laughs> like, 
and I, I'm with you. I have that because... ticker tape. I have that ticker tape. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so many of us do. And, um, you know, for me, it was like sort of this perfectionism, right? And it took a long time for me to recognize that like being perfect actually doesn't mitigate my anxiety the way that I thought it did. Um, in fact, it actually increases it because, you know, if you, no one is perfect. Nothing that you can do is actually, that doesn't function in reality. So anyway, however we frame these things, it's part of the dropping that we have to do. We have to sort of let go of our minds and actually just feel, which can be really scary for some of us. And there, there can be a lot of reasons why we would rather not kind of go deeply into ourselves or go deeply into our bodies. There can be a reluctance to do that, but there's a lot of compassion and self-love in it too. Because mm. what we're really doing is we're saying with our awareness, like, I see that part of me, whatever emotion may be coming up, I see that part of me, I'm here with it, I'm aware of it, and I'm just going to be with it. Um, and we can practice this in the meditation, but you know, you can even kind of like add a sort of intention of care to that space. Like I'm approaching this with kind of this feeling of I see you and you're okay. Just like a friend would be there for you if they were if you were freaking out. You can be that for yourself without labeling it. And you know, to the second question you brought up, which I think is also amazing, because I've been there too. It's like, well, how do I know if I'm calming down? How do I know if this is even working? And I think that like everything that's a practice, you're going to see more results as you continue to do it. There's some trust involved in that, right? Like, you know, like with anything, if somebody says, I can't draw, and you're like, actually, I think most people can learn to draw. It's a skill. Like, you have to work at it. And that's true to some extent. But what you're really doing is you're sort of doing non-effort. You're, And this is really tricky for those of us who love to work all the time, which I know that both of us have this kind of <laughs> inclination. Yeah. Um, you're learning how to not try to force things on yourself. You're learning how to how to not try and control everything that happens. And there's a kind of new, a loosening that happens in those places of constriction. So yeah, I mean, sometimes it'll be really obvious. Like you said, you go from like an eight panic to, you know, a five and you can feel your body relax. And you're like, okay, it's fine. It's fine that I feel this way. And again, I'm using words, but at the time that you're actually sitting with something, there doesn't need to be any dialogue. You just need to be like, okay, you know, I'm here. This is happening. And you'll you'll start to see that ha- happen naturally. That that relaxation will begin to happen naturally around the thing because when we when we resist things, we kind of hold on to them in a way, right? Like we we sort of just keep them in place by being like, "Oh, I don't want to like I don't want to feel it. I don't want to like think about it." And yeah, when we let things be, that just happens. So on the subject of like, uh, I guess, natural loosening, I think I'm just going to like run down all of the list of anxieties that people might have as it pertains to meditation, which I think is kind of a funny thing to do in the first place. (laughs) But if we're talking about the need to relax, I think they're kind of like layers in an onion, right? Like you're going to be um, yes. un- like peeling through different layers of uh, discomfort and anxiety. And I think one uh, anxiety that I've certainly experienced is that uh, I worry that I'm not doing it right. That if I'm unable to think of nothing, that 
it won't work. And, you know, if it does work, I won't be able to recognize it, which of course, I've, we've already talked about that. But is there an answer to the idea that like, hey, I'm not doing this right, that might like quell some of these anxieties that people feel? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a really common feeling is wondering whether we're doing things right. And I think it's one of the um, common beliefs about meditation is that we have to conform ourselves into some meditative state um, or mindset in order to do it properly. And what I love about mindfulness is that it's not about forcing anything. It's about fully embracing what's happening for you in the here and the now. The way that you that you can come into that sort of relax, more relaxed state is is about dropping our belief in the mental labels. It's sort of like you know a gust of wind is what's like causing a kite to fly, and the and the kite is our anxiety, right? And if the wind stops, like it really doesn't have any momentum. It doesn't have any energy, and so we're just sort of taking that fuel source out. By saying, okay, this is fine. I accept this, accept these feelings and, and coming into a place where we're actually present. You know, this is, this is one of the ways that we can begin to really feel in, in a felt like body sense that we're less anxious because, you know, we all know what it feels like to relax. Like we know those moments when we, when we can feel that ease and that flow and groundedness and, that's self-evident. That will become something that you experience. So you don't have to wonder. <laughs> That's true. Although I will say, Kristen, that the problem with the metaphor of the kite and the wind is that many of us uh, would agree that we don't have uh, control over the wind, right? So if the wind goes away, sure, the anxiety um, that is the kite is is no longer flying. But um, we may not feel like we have uh, control over the conditions around us. And to a large extent, we don't. Yeah, no, absolutely. The The wind is never that it, the wind is blowing. And this is a bad metaphor. Never mind. I'm going to get rid of the wind. <laughs> so, okay. What, what, what ends up happening, right, is our thoughts are constantly coming through our heads. And the only ones that really cause issues for us is when we tend to believe them, we tend to identify with them. This really amazing teacher that I follow, Adyashanti, talks about how really what gets us into trouble is when we resist a thought or we pull a thought in towards us. It's that verb of like resisting or pulling, resisting or pulling. That's what the actual momentum is. It's not the thing itself. You cannot control your thoughts. Don't even try. Anybody who tells you that is just, that's nonsense. Our thoughts, we have no control over them. What we have control over is whether or not we identify with them, whether we believe them. Because as soon as mm. we believe a thought, we're attached to the outcome, right? Like whether it's good or bad, you know, all of a sudden it has, it has real fuel in our lives. Oh, but if we so just have a thought, yeah, yeah. It, so that's the difference. I hope that that is a good, like that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I love that actually. So one of the reasons that I wanted to have you in um, and to talk about meditation is that for the month of December on the platform, we have been doing a lot of reflection, like what's 
transpired over the year, what worked for us and what didn't. And as we move into the new year, we're going to be doing a lot of planning about what we would like to see for ourselves. And I think one of the things that happens, that has happened to me, but I I see it happen to members quite a bit as well, is that you get so kind of tied up in all the things that you want to do that the Mm -hmm. experience becomes one that creates a lot of anxiety. Um, And I've had very few panic attacks in my life, but one of them actually occurred around year end. (laughs) So what, Mm. what I, what I would love is to just have a discussion about how we can diffuse some of the anxiety that, that may come up for us and how, how we can, the issue that I had, and I'll just, I guess, be transparent with people is and use myself as an example because it's the one that I uh, have the most experience with. But uh, in my particular case, I set a bunch of intentions for the new year. And um, when the new year arrived, all of the intentions that I had set already, I knew I wasn't going to meet them. And so mm-hmm. I felt very acutely like I was a failure, that the things I was supposed to do for whatever reason, I was not able to do. And that is what threw me into a panic because one of my goals had been to work less. And through the pandemic, um, you know, nobody was traveling over the holidays. I'd actually worked more than I'd ever worked and was mm-hmm. no further ahead. So that was that was kind of what did it for me. The solution, I think, was not, okay, just don't set goals <laughs> because that's going to be a problem for you. But it, in my case, what mm. I had done was that the goals that I had set, they, the timeline was not realistic. I had so much anxiety about the changes that I wanted to make that I wasn't able to make them. And so that's where I kind of felt like Mm. meditation might be helpful because ultimately the thing for me that helped wasn't meditation. It was being oddly enough, I couldn't see a solution until I drew it out. And then once I saw it, I was able to process it. But I think I probably could have gotten to that in a faster way. And I think that's where, you know, meditation and a practice of mindfulness, like anything that we can do to um, diffuse some of these anxieties that we feel right around the beginning of the year, I think might be helpful. Uh, Because if there's anybody who might end up in the same situation that I ended up in, which was like sort of panic attack mode, this is what I would love to uh, eliminate for people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that because I think that's something that we all can relate to. And I like what you said about, you know, drawing it out for yourself because, you know, you can use mindfulness in any moment and in any way that it's helpful. And I think that by drawing it out and really asking yourself what it was about the goals that made them 
that not meeting them felt like you were a failure and why you were setting yourself up for things that you knew from the beginning, you actually didn't have the time or the resources to succeed at. Like that is mindfulness. Like that's the ability to kind of trace like what value we're placing on something that's above and beyond the goal itself. If I hope that makes sense Mm -hmm. because okay, good. Because like, for instance, I think we, we, I agree with you, we need goals, right? We need goals. And as artists, it's super important because we want to, we want to share our work. We want to be successful. And like, that's completely great. And like, I think where we get into trouble though, is when we attach some other value and a sort of sense of arriving or sense of proving ourselves to a specific goal or specific opportunity. And we get so focused on making this one opportunity work. And it turns out usually it's not actually that thing itself, right? That thing is just a stepping stone or a stand-in for some other inadequacy we feel or some other vulnerability or uneasiness that we're trying to change within ourselves. And so this is where it can get really tricky. (laughs) yeah um and like I really liked what you said about things needing to happen in the context of like the time that we have right because that's that's something that I really love about your goal setting curriculum inside of network is that you you reiterate you have to have steps that you can take here and now things that you can take action on like there's the big goals that you set out for yourself knowing that you can't reach them overnight And like, you shouldn't even try, right? (laughs) You should be focusing on like, okay, I'm going to have a five-year plan or whatever plan you're going to make for yourself. And my end state is going to be this goal. And like, it's great to have as a milestone. But then you have to ask yourself, okay, right now, today, check my energy levels. How much energy can I devote to working towards this goal? You know, do I have all the resources I need? Do I have the studio space and the money for materials. Do I have the, am I in the right frame of mind to write that email to that gallery or or whatever it may be? Be okay when the answer is no. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. It doesn't mean that you won't eventually reach that goal. You're being honest, right? It kind of comes back to that honesty. I mean, I said this earlier in the podcast, but I do think that one of the struggles is figuring out what honesty means. Like, If you are avoiding something, it can be very difficult to even identify that you are avoiding the thing because the definition of avoidance, I think in part, is not knowing that you're doing it. Because for most of us, if we could just do it, we would, you know, Mm -hmm. we may have a lot of explanations for why we can't do things. And I think that usually is a telltale sign for me that I am avoiding something. Mm -hmm. The list of reasons why I can't do something is exceptionally long. This is a weird comparison to make, but I was thinking about, you know, I used to work for this uh, uh, gallery, Marianne Martin Fine Art, and she was an expert in Latin American art. And she, uh, so people were always sending her fake Frida Kahlo's to authenticate. And she Mm -hmm. said that the more outrageous the fake, the longer the list of justifications for why it was actually an original, you know, it might have like huge, huge um, certificates of authenticity and long lists of testimonials and 
I think, you know, one even came with a full on documentary about why it was actually an original. But the fact is, is that it was patently fake, you know, it was obvious immediately, Mm -hmm. and it needed kind of all the support. And I think that psychologically, we do the same things where there are things that are, you know, not entirely true, things that we are avoiding. And the list of reasons why we're avoiding something tends to get quite long um, when it's something that that we could easily do, but we don't want to for some reason. Yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think our minds can be incredibly tricky in this way. And I mean, to say that we don't all have blind spots, like I, I think I think we all do. Right. I think we all have things that maybe our partner can see better in us or our friends can see better in us than we can. But I think the the whole point here of mindfulness is to recognize that we're going to we're only going to be able to live from the most authentic and deep place that we can. You know, the moment that we're in, we're not we're, we may not be able to see all the things that we're avoiding. But if we act from that place, the the depth of what we think to be true, like. I, I really think that all of those knots sort of begin to unwind. And there's a level of trust that opens up within us where through my process of, of meditating the past, you know, 10 years uh, pretty regularly. And, and also not even just, you know, when I'm not defining meditation as just sitting down, but practicing mindfulness as I go through my day, like something that I've learned is I have a lot more trust in my own ability to be compassionate with myself. So it's almost like my subconscious on some level has opened up to me. Whereas in the past, I think it was afraid I was going to judge it. (laughs) Like, you know, and so, so it's interesting, you know, how our own capacity to pay attention to ourselves, like opens up trust. I love that. I love that so much. I think we began this conversation or this particular part of the conversation by asking, you know, how can we uh, apply mindfulness to end of year planning where things tend, where we tend to get a little bit more anxious. And I wanted to uh, sort of close up this podcast or rather um, maybe the right word is open it up with a meditation. I wondered if you had a meditation that we could do on the podcast. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Let's do that. So uh, I was thinking that a really good meditation for end of year and beginning of the new year goal setting would be something to help us manage sort of those uh, rapid thoughts and anxiety that can come up. Um, this time of year. And let's not forget the holidays, <laughs> which, you know, uh, like on the surface is really positive, but also a very difficult time, challenging, if not difficult yes. time for many people. Um, you know, we could do a whole session, but I'll just mention that some of the yoga techniques of pranayama have been successfully implemented in therapy sessions. And there's more scientific evidence all the time that these things can actually lower our blood pressure, lower our heart rate, increase like positive chemicals in our brains. Like it does all this amazing stuff for the body. And the breath is is one of the most important ways to access kind of our our relaxed state. This will be a two-part meditation. The first the first part is just gonna be a very slow, gentle grounding exercise and body scan to kind of get us all 
in the moment and feeling our breath. And then the second part, I'm going to uh, lead us in a breathing exercise. It's going to be a very simple exercise, but it may sound complex on the surface. So just trust me, I'll, I'll help everyone through it. But essentially what we're going to do is we're going to extend each part of the breath for five seconds. Now, if at any point that's too long for you and you need to like exhale or inhale, please like trust your body, follow your body's signals. But I think that if we're able to follow the exercise and focus on the exercise, you will notice a marked difference in your body and your system. I'm just going to go over it once now. So essentially what we're going to do is inhale for five seconds, hold for five seconds, exhale for five seconds, hold for five seconds. So we're, we're breathing in, we're holding that breath, then we're exhaling and holding that breath out. And we're making all the parts of the breath equal. And your brain is going to start paying attention to the fact that you're not breathing at a normal rate. Your body is going to notice this. It's going to naturally calm your system. And you'll find that if you, you know, if you start thinking and you get lost, just just come back to one part of that meditation. Um, I'm going to lead you through the first minute and then you'll hear like a knock brush sound every five seconds after that. And you just you just go with whatever part of the breath you're on, go to the next part and just keep going and coming back to it. And we'll see how this how this works for everyone. Sound sound okay? Perfect. Awesome. Okay. So let's get started. So just come into this moment and just breathe. Just allow yourself to be where you are exactly in this moment. And you don't have to do anything with your breath. Just notice what's already happening. Notice your inhale. Notice how the air fills your chest and your lungs. And the exhale. And, you know, if it's helpful, kind of imagine in the center of your chest where your heart is, that as you inhale, your breath touches your heart, and it fills up, and with each exhale, allow anything in your body that may feel tight or constricted Allow it just to flow out with the breath. And you can even begin to place your awareness on any spot in your body that begins to feel tight. You're going to start to notice those places as you relax. And imagine that you can breathe into that spot. So inhale into wherever you see or feel tightness in your body. And exhale out, letting go. See if you can relax that tension. And you may notice that even just having your awareness on that spot creates a kind of relaxation. And we're not forcing anything. And 
And if you can imagine sort of your body getting a little heavier and notice, you know, what your hands are doing. Could your hands be in a more comfortable position? Could you relax your fingers? Could you relax your face? Are you furrowing your brow? Is your mouth tight? Just things that we kind of hold without even really recognizing it. And just letting yourself soften. Our shoulders relax. Our breath is slowing down. Breathing in. Noticing any tightness. And exhaling, letting it go. And notice like where you're actually making contact with the earth. Whatever whatever place you may be, the chair you're sitting on, just notice. And let those areas feel heavy. Feel the force of gravity pulling you downward. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and start this meditation. And you may hear you may hear the sounds in the background, but I'm going to actually verbally cue you through your breath for the first minute. So let's go ahead and start. When you're ready, inhale. Hold. Exhale. Hold. Inhale. Hold. Exhale. Hold. Inhale. Exhale. Hold. Inhale. Okay. I'm going to turn this up now. And I'm just going to allow you to follow that pattern, holding each part of the breath for five seconds. Inhale, hold, exhale, hold.
Okay, everyone. I hope that that was helpful and it's something that you can practice anytime. Um, there are plenty of meditation apps that you can set up at five second intervals and just focus on your breath. Um, Thank you so much, Kristen, for coming in, leading us through this meditation and for talking about uh, all of the practice of mindfulness in the context of the visual arts and the kind of anxieties that we all struggle with and how this can help. I think it was it was just really amazing to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. It was so great to talk to you. Yep. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review and share it with a friend. It really helps get that valuable information out to more artists just like you. You can find all of the names and the links that we reference in this conversation at workshop.art slash podcast.